Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and Tech Podcast, a roundtable discussion with leading WordPress and tech experts, hosted by Jonathan Denwood. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the WP Tonic Podcast. This is This Week in WordPress and Tech. We are on episode number 672. We are super glad to be here, and we have a full house We've got a big panel. We've got our special guest, Chris Badgett himself, flying in from the galaxy. He is here to join us uh, from Lifter LMS. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the tribe, Chris, and then we'll go around the room and everybody can introduce themselves. Cool. I'm Chris from Lifter, which is a learning management system for WordPress. We help course creators create, launch, and scale high-value online training. I also have a podcast for course creators and WordPress pros called LMS Cast. It's so great to have you back. Uh, and uh, John Locke. Yeah, John from Lockdown SEO. Well, that was quick. Sharon Yates, tell the people who you are. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sharon Yates, and I'm with uh, Creative Mouse Studio uh, here in good old Texas. Good old Texas. Uh, and we've got our friend Sally Getch, rhymes with sketch. That's right. I'm Sally Getch, the WP fangirl who's been stuck in Joomla for the past week. And it's so confusing. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Spencer Foreman. I didn't think Joomla was still around, Sally. That's funny. <laughs> Drupal, too. Uh, it's Spence from WPLaunchify.com. And I am Stephanie Hudson. I'm here repping Focus WP. You can check us out, focuswp.co, or check out our Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz. And, of course, we've got our esteemed master of ceremonies, our host, Jonathan Denwood. I just love that, Stephanie. Um, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We help people build their membership and learning management system on WordPress. We help them see the light. Back over to you, Stephanie. Thank you. And now we are going to hear a word from our sponsor. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform. And that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface really easy to use and you're not penalized for success they have a flat rate pricing structure don't matter how many podcasts you make how many downloads you achieve you are just pray at one fixed rate with castos plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing and we're back you guys, Castos has a great special offer for the WP Tonic Tribe. You can check out that offer as well as offers from all of our other sponsors at wp-tonic.com slash recommendations. And now on to the stories this week. Uh, first up, we are looking at an article from the WP Minute. Is WordPress pushing freelancers away? Is the goot giving freelancers the boot? You guys, what do you think? I think this sounds like almost an exact replay of an episode that Matt Maderos recorded some months ago. Um, it's, um, you know, what it's essentially saying is, hey, um, you know, we may be out of work because there's things that people can do. Uh, by themselves, or we might lose control if uh, clients can change some of these aspects of their design. Um, and I mean, there's a valid point that it's very difficult for a product to really serve a developer community and an end user community simultaneously. It 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 is challenging, and and you know, WordPress trying to be all things to all people is is a bit difficult. But at the same time, um. I think that uh, it also opens the door to a ton 
you know, the full-site editing, which is what, what the person is talking about, is that sort of the more, uh, the more you can do without writing code, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is driving some freelancers away. Well, it says themes and plugins offered a point of entry for those who wanted to level up in PHP, JavaScript, and interact with the database, um, and uh, which, you know, fine. And, and there's never going to not be a place to write code in WordPress. Uh, but it's also been really hard to be just a front end person or just a design person in WordPress. Uh, and there are going to be a lot of aspects of that which are easier because of full site editing. Uh, and there has always been a good amount of work for people who are you know, what we sometimes call implementers, folks who don't write code, but they know the plugins and the themes well, and they can build sites for, for people that are perfectly functional sites that, that make their clients happy. So are there some freelancers that feel frustrated? Obviously, because we hear some of them talking about it on the interwebs. Um, uh, and there are going to be others who take advantage. And so I don't think we're looking at like, oh, we're going to have a catastrophic exit of WordPress professionals. Um, uh, first, uh, because if they're going to exit, they have to find something else to do and break into that area. And they may find that a little tougher than adapting to uh, Gutenberg and full site editing. I think well, the fact of the matter is end users don't want to build sites. There's Most never of them gonna, don't. No. Most of them don't. My clients, I, I try to build sites that my clients can work with easily. Most of them don't want to. They'd rather pay me to do it. Yeah. Yep. Sharon, and, what do you think? Well, as as a ex-career person, being in the career field, as I grew with the web, we always had to learn new things. So I think this is just another example. If freelancers are exiting WordPress, they're learning new things and they're moving on. But as a freelancer and entrepreneur, you still have to learn to scale and migrate with whatever whatever is happening in the tech industry. So we're always going to be a freelancer if you have that capability to keep learning. Exactly. Uh, if any, if nobody else has any comments, let's uh, let's roll on to story number two. Well, I've got a quick one. Um, oh, okay. I, uh, I think. I think there's something to this story, but also there's something there is, and in some ways I agree with Sally, but on some aspects I think there's some element of... I, I think the basic fact is the market is changing. Um, are, um, and there's some people that are going to benefit from that change, and there's going to be other people... I think... The free the subcontractor that's been working for regional agencies have suffered the most with the changes because um, a lot of these digital regional agent marketing agencies they've been able to cut out um, some of the need for a specialized WordPress subcontractor and I think that has affected quite a few people but there's other opportunities as well so that's that's how I would put it, Stephanie. I just want to agree on that real quick with uh, the developer freelancer. And I'm, I'm not a developer, but what I see in the landscape is that the newer block system, Gutenberg and WordPress, from a development perspective, I see a lot of developers, both experienced and inexperienced, having a challenge crossing from more of a traditional PHP environment into this new environment. Either they don't want to do it or there's some skill and learning upskilling that um, isn't happening or whatever. So I do see a lot of the most pressure actually on the the web developers, both as freelancers and developers working inside companies. But I think it's a good thing, but it's going to require the development community to level up. Yeah, sometimes people just don't want to change, and so they <laughs> call it a big catastrophe, and it really is just... It's kind of like Sharon said, you just got to... Well, I, I would disagree a little bit with your tone there, Stephanie. I, I think when you're 
you know, trying to learn a whole new technology stack at the same time you're trying to make a living and dealing it, with it's hard. Yes. It's not the most it's easy. It's not it's easy. For those it's easy. Who have reached a certain age and don't learn it. Well, I, I, I just don't think it's as as blase easy as maybe you know. Yeah. I'm, you know, but is you know. is what it is, isn't it? Don't well, I just think not. that's this industry. You never stop. You, that's you, right. We well, don't get yeah, if you, look, if you didn't want to have to learn new stuff all the time, you shouldn't have gone into tech. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, as a career person, we were always asked, I mean, in midstream, we were asked to change direction and learn a new technology. I mean, we went from, from Apache to .NET to, I mean, everything was changing constantly. And we had to keep up if you wanted to keep your job. So, you know, obviously I'm not in that world anymore. (laughs) But as I see it still as a freelancer that I still have to constantly keep up. So, you know, either you're going to keep your business or you're going to melt away. (laughs) I've spent a lot of time in in full site editing uh, uh, classes from uh, learn, uh, uh, you know, from the learn team. Uh, And uh, yeah, it it takes up a bunch of time to, to learn stuff. but. Um, you know, if you don't learn it, you're going to have a whole lot of time on your hand when you're not working. Yep. Very true. Guys, let's roll on to our next story coming from Mashable. The inside story of how Tumblr lost its way. Now, let me ask you this. If you were forced to take all the porn off of your platform, would your business survive? (laughs) Can I, can I... I just want to quickly frame why setting through my personal content. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I just want to say, Stephanie, um, this is a great story, and I, I really think it really um, the way I'm going to f- quickly frame this for the panel. It really shows uh, a major concern I have with the great leader Matt and his statement. You know, how can he really run automatic plus Tumblr? plus his portfolio of other investments and really do an adequate job as CEO of Automatic and also be the godfather of WordPress. Come on, Matt. Something's got to give. And it really shows how bonkers this situation has got. That's just my piece, Stephanie. I'll jump in there. Yeah, I'll jump in there. So there's a great book called Good to Great, a business book. And uh, one of the death nails of uh, companies as they get big is something called a line extension where you move off your core focus into something else. And in the mission of WordPress to, you know, really take a large portion of the market share of the internet, uh, I think we found ourselves in a situation where we uh, have have created multiple line extensions. So an example of that is there's WordPress.org and then there's .com. There is, uh, you know, the WordPress side, but why not have a SaaS blogging solution too? Tumblr's on sale. How about we get that too? And, and that way you can kind of uh, really go after that big piece of the internet pie. And if somebody's not a fit for a WordPress the open source version, uh, maybe they're fit for WordPress.com. If they're not a fit for that, maybe they're a fit for Tumblr. And then you can, you know, be with the same customer as they migrate across different needs. Not that everybody has to migrate through all those offerings, but I think that's how we ended up here. And, uh, but when you have that fractured focus, it can be really challenging for a big company. And uh, as companies get big, and as there was a lot of, as the article mentioned, a lot of leadership change and people turnover and short-term, uh, you know, like revenue-focused pro- projects that I think the product vision kind of lost lost its way. So, and alongside that, inside technology, there is a uh, diffusion of innovation where something is really popular and then it wanes. It just happens. It's the life cycle of a business. So I think Tumblr has also been challenged by the, uh, you know, the early usage and they're on the, you know, late majority kind of on the dying side of the curve. I don't know if it can be saved. I'll jump in. Uh, so it's obvious from a long time back that uh, Matt, 
Mullenweg and Automatic, they um, had an affinity for what Tumblr was doing uh, several years ago when it was one of the largest uh, sites on the internet because that's what Post Formats was. Post Formats was an attempt to create uh, functionality similar to Tumblr. The difference is, is Tumblr, like things like Twitch, things like Discord, like Twitter, there are communities. And a lot of the um, aspects of Tumblr can't be replicated just by replicating the technology. There's, there's many different things in there where people would, uh, you know, follow, they would have kind of like almost like a favorites of their, you know, different blogs. The format was sharing uh, short stories, kind of like a mix up of, of live journal and like, you know, photo sharing. Um, it pioneered like a lot of the things that are popular now, like Instagram um, and a lot of GIF culture uh, and meme culture started on Tumblr. But the problem is, is when a community uh, migrates to another or to multiple other platforms, it's gone. Um, and that's what happened when they put the ban on not safe for work content. A lot of those people found other platforms on which to share, whether, you know, it was Twitch or Discord or, or OnlyFans or wherever it is. So I, I don't know that that value is ever going to come back. It's, it's kind of like when MySpace started copying Facebook, that's when they started losing all their market share. And it's, it's not going to come back. Who else has some thoughts on this? Go on, Spencer. You must have a thought. You're Sorry. muted, pal. You're muted, Spence. In the 1970s... <laughs> oh, he's taking it way back. Alfred the Fonz Fonzarelli <laughs> jumped his motorcycle over a tank mm-hmm. full of sharks. Mm-hmm. My childhood ended on that day when Happy Days was officially over. And so, too, like other platforms, was Tumblr over the day that Yahoo and the mayor got her hands on it. So, frankly, all these other conversations are sort of moot. In my own experience, and at least a couple of you, including Sharon, know of this origin story, Jonathan as well, um... I had some initial inter, interweb involvement with an online platform called Ning that had $100 million of money from Mark Andreessen. And it was run by a CEO who had a little Marissa Mayer wishful thinking in her mind. But she drove that ship into a couple icebergs, including getting involved with the things they did, opening the door to guys like me when they said, come build anything you want. And we did. So as far as I'm concerned... Tumblr is like a byline in somebody's biography, and that's all it is. And I have, frankly, no concept as to why WordPress is even involved in it. Or honestly, like whatever happens, we might as well be talking about MySpace because I don't even watch Happy Days reruns anymore. I mean, it's why it's does why does uh, Matt care so much about this? What is it about Tumblr? I mean, it does seem like if this was the kind of thing he was interested in, the format or whatever, just. Yeah, well, I think Heather's got it. A few months ago, Heather um, was totally right. He's bored. He's he's bored. You know, and he he wants a little pet project. Well, he needs he needs to look at him. You know, he needs to be honest with himself, and he needs to be honest about his role in automatic and WordPress in general. Because this is, to me, is somebody that's. Um. Yeah, he's just bored with it, as far as I'm concerned. And you do burn out. You know, that's one of the key things. You know, you do need to understand when it's time to leave something and find something new. Maybe I. I don't know. That's just my opinion, Stephanie. Well, that's all we can ask for, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree, though. It all just seems kind of silly, but he's very passionate about it. We've seen him talk in like the state of the union or whatever state of the word address was he was talked to, he spent a 
good chunk of time talking about Tumblr and how he was right in the Tumblr headquarters, HQ, and all that stuff. So, hey, whatever. I mean, I kind of don't care. I, I always liked Tumblr. I thought it was gone, like some other people in this article said. Like, I really thought it was over until I heard Matt Mullenweg talking about it. So, yeah, it was, it was, um, can I, can I add one bit of inside information? Because everyone here has a mix of personal, social, religious beliefs. (laughs) Fact is that even back in 2006 with this Ning network, of the mm-hmm. 12,500 plus customers who were on there for free who paid myself and my partner money, 66% or more involved adult-related activities, pictures, <laughs> videos, and whatnot. A good majority of that was not straight pornography. Mm-hmm. It was everything else under the sun. And everything thereafter that we did always had the best, happiest, willing to give as much money as possible customers from that segment of the market. So it does seem strangely ironic when OnlyFans has stories of moms selling farts in a jar and making a million dollars after getting fired from their teaching job, that in 2022, any corporation really thinks it's a good idea to remove pornography from their platform or to restrict it when there's a jillion other people ready and willing to take that business. And even on the edge of pornography, like just a mom wearing or a dad wearing, you know, unique outfits and making money. It's like, who do you think is going to use Tumblr exactly? Like, you know. Yeah, I think you'd spot on. But I think the other things um, Spencer really focused on, that they were doomed when Yahoo and... Well, and took it, you know, her capacity, you know, she drove bloody how you tainted how the well of many a thing that she she was the darling of the tech sector. You hardly hear from her now, but she's yeah. another one that was pumped up and she did a great job, didn't she? She did a fantastic job of losing shareholder. Well, there's a there's uh, a well known uh tendency in corporations to when you can see that your corporation is going down the drain. Get a woman CEO, because then you can blame Indeed. all of it on her. She was the. She was I think the, she did. She did. Non, I think she did a good job herself. Sorry, she was oh, I don't think she was great. But Elizabeth but, Holmes of her day, she but, didn't yes. lie and she didn't like cheat. But when they assigned her, everything she touched died. <laughs> I mean, I'd well, name one know, thing she, that she, she did that, that she doesn't have the green thumb. Is that what you're saying, Spencer? In yes, other words, I mean, like. Like literally, she did try to to do something. She wasn't just sitting around, but she, the decision she, was she made promoted was promoted as the next coming of like saving all these companies and all how great. And name one company that she touched that succeeded, <laughs> not one. And it's not a this is not a misogynistic thing. This is like could have been a guy. There's tons of guys that did that yeah, too. But the point is, like literally, she did the same thing in some ways as an Elizabeth Holmes or something. It was like. Oh, it'll be awesome and amazing. Everything's going to be great. And all the hype and all the money and everything. The only thing I can think of that's close is the CEO who was a guy. Remember that company called Color? That with some kind of product that got like a billion dollars and it never actually released the product? Oh, you get it on there. You mentioned that pose shit. Yes, that's vaguely familiar, but I, I obviously blotted it out of my mind long ago. Very I mean, wise. Just, like, like all these things are, 1968 and 2022 have a ton of similarities. Like we could go down a list, but that's I feel like in the, tech, in the tech world, it's very similar. We have like decade, rela- you know, like rewinds where it's the same thing. Like we could talk about Adobe Flash and Dreamweaver and then like, have the same players just change the names and we just keep doing this every 10 years nobody seems to have a long enough memory to realize it but that's why we have like you know 22 batman movies it's like <laughs> enough already don't even start talking about spider-man either jeez yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why i'm staying on this planet yeah i think we've uh i think we've beaten this story to death yeah everybody sure. ready to move on let's check out story number three WPTavern.com WordPress multi-site is still a valuable and often necessary Mm -hmm. tool. However, this is sort of battled by some who are particularly in the comments saying it, some say it is, some say it's, it's dead. There's no use for it anymore. And we've got a familiar face down in the uh, comments. 
Spencer, you want to share your thoughts with us since you already shared them with the world on the WP Tonic? We, we were talking about this, ironically, the week before, I think, and it just showed up here, which was kind of funny. Multi-site, in my experience, has two really legitimate uses. Otherwise, I advise clients to just do single sites and some kind of site manager, like Manage WP or Main WP. Mm-hmm. It's useful for a franchise operation <clears throat> where you know the company at the top is going to clone off a bunch of locations and it's got to be the same. It's good for... Really, the second type, which either demo sites, and I may, maybe, 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 maybe a third site, some educational scenario, but that's kind of falling in one of the two. I'm sure there's a million other uses, but at the end of the day, I'm not advocating that it go away, but I am advocating that somebody at least be aware of it and they clarify it because I answer two to three questions a week from people like, oh, should I just use multi-site? I want to do three sites. And I have to explain, no, because... And the biggest limit is that you share the database, which is hard to undo. Now, that comma to mine, interestingly, was like conjuring up the name of that who shall not be mentioned because this person <laughs> replied to my comment by saying, there are workarounds for these when needed. Hyper database support sharding, for example. Does anybody here know what sharding is? Because the only time I ever hear that is from my 11-year-old who said I sharded in my pants. But not like That's a T, not a D. It's a seat, not a seat. So the point is, multi-site is interesting, but it's quirky. John, you just killed Jonathan. The he, because it's over. the 11-year-old, you are exactly. Well, you just, I don't know what, so I, he that must not be mentioned because he will he'll send me a cease and decease letter again. Uh, Rob, <laughs> He just, whatever, he just, I don't know what it is between you two. He just can't resist the button when you make a comment, can he, Spencer? I don't even know who he is, so I can't contribute to this <laughs> conversation. It's uh, the right-hand man of the person who is in charge of WordPress that we've also named here. It's the person that's like the henchman of the person the who we were just man. talking about in another story. He's a real, he's a real charmer. Yes, the the OG curmudgeon of the WordPress community. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but uh, it, you know, I I like multi site in its place. But yeah, I'm one of the people who learned the hard way that it, that this is not what you do when you want several sites where that everything is different on. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, but there are lots and lots of you know, even though it might be a a relatively small number of use cases, that's a whole shed load of universities and big companies with franchises and so on and, and, and so forth, where what they do want is to control the overall branding and look and feel and what people can get to and not get to. Um, uh, uh, and uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I don't think the, the use case is necessarily going to go away, but, uh, you know, the people who argue that, you know, it hasn't gotten much attention or much improvement in a while uh, have a point. And so that's, you know, another one of the things that's uh, kind of, you know, lost place before uh, Gutenberg. Um, although it was never the best loved uh, hmm. aspect of, of WordPress, but um you know, I don't think that means it should go away. And there was inevitably going to be a response to last week's provocative article about the, oh, let's ditch this thing already. Um, well, it does need a bit of love, though, doesn't it? It does need a little bit of love. Well, sure. Lots of lots of things do. Well, just so you guys know, in all fairness, I actually run multi-site for LaunchFlow's demo. I run it because it's a very efficient way to have yeah. people get a throwaway thing, although there's lots of services that... I mentioned, including um, one of our clients uh, does Insta WP. But the thing about it is I had to homebrew like a little of this, a sprinkle of that, a pinch of that. There is no ready-to-use way for multi-site as a demo or an educational thing. And I think that's the issue, right? It kind of reminds me of how Buddy Boss finally took over BuddyPress, BBPress, and all this stuff to make it into a mature product. That did not come easy. That's years in the making. Yeah. If somebody would take multi-site and actually purpose it, 
as a product for these things, I'd be like high five. But otherwise, to pretend well, you know, you know who tried to do that, right? Our our dear friends at WPMU Dev. And, right. Well, um, and he did fine with it, but he also, they, ju- they just sent out a newsletter about the great awesomeness of multi-site too. Well, I mean, James Farmer is like my hero, my anti-hero, because he says what the truth is all the time, and the fact that they bailed out on that market is indicative of the fact that you know, like there's obviously something else. It's called WPMU, but they're really just selling single-site plugins now. So. And that's like there is a whole there is an ecosystem of people that are building things to tack on to multi sites and things. I do know I have some colleague um, friends who are um, really running successful businesses using it for their niche. Um, A good friend of mine, Matt Rodella, he's he teaches courses on how to set up a business selling cheap Mm -hmm. templated sites for your niche because they all need the same. It's for sites that all need the exact same plugin setup, really. Yeah. Like if you start needing any kind of differentiation whatsoever, but <laughs> this guy sells to like IT stuff. companies because that's what he used to do. And he, so he built a site for them and then for another one and for another one and they're all identical. So he set up, uh, he so he calls it a WAS website as a service, which <laughs> is fun in the marketing, you know, check out my WAS is always funny. And that's my catchphrase. Uh, dude, catch you got a fat wass. Yeah. That's my catchphrase. In the biz. Yeah. And then that- uh, there's WP Ultimo and things like that that have come along now, which are whole, I mean, those are whole successful businesses. Like there's an ecosystem out there for yeah. sort of this wass situation, um, which, you know, I see what you're saying, Spence, to, that there are, these are like really ideal for, for that. He could use a, single site setup for all of them and just manage them and manage to be people. People are using it. The spin up is the issue. Like I can say this because I think Jack and Chris, Chris might can pitch in, but like Jack on WP fusion uses single site launcher. Okay. When I talked to Jack and I think he mentioned that you and you and him had talked about this, Chris, like I was thinking, man, do I want to do a single site spin up or do I want to do a multi-site for me? I didn't want to allow people to add their own (laughs) plugin. Oh, it's like, cat land here and so in that case the multi-site is great because you can limit people's ability to add plugins with no big deal whereas on a single site launcher that's actually a benefit that people can add their plugins because he wants to allow them to do that and i think maybe lifter does the same thing with their cloudways and so that's a consideration but ultimo and these other plugins there are services they're very good but they're always they hit a wall on certain things and that's where you have to get really like Get out the wagon wheel, start carving stuff with wood, and it's just it's a burden. It's a burden. So anyway. As we are about to the halfway point of our show today, why don't we take a quick break? Oh, he's there's a planet rolling through, Chris. Did you see that? It's like an orbit <laughs> from Spencer. Uh <laughs> let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. I'm Bertha an AI-based writing assistant to help you write better content on your WordPress website. In just a few clicks you can ask me to help you write outstanding content for your website that's guaranteed to convert, from blog posts to landing pages, to product pages. Never be left with that blank page again. You can try me for free on bertha.ai. See you soon. And we're back. You guys, if you would like to hear more about Jonathan's thoughts on some of these articles where he is a little bit less censored and interrupted, uh, you can subscribe to the weekly WP Tonic newsletter. You can go there, go to uh, WP 
wp-tonic.com slash newsletter and you can sign up and you'll get a weekly um, in your inbox editorial from John and also all of the links to the panel recommendations each week. All right. Onward we go. More fun with podcasts this week. We are going to talk about an article from TheVerge.com. Twitter may be adding a built-in podcasts tab. Twitter may be adding a built-in podcasts tab. Do we care? Is this a th- as David Letterman would say, is this a thing? What does that Anybody mean exactly? What what does this mean a tab? Like you go to a tweet and there'll be a tab yeah. to, to listen yeah. to a podcast? There's a graphic a leaked thing that has like at the bottom where it's your home button, your account blah blah blah. Oh, you can also the click the mic. You can drop the mic right there. Well, the reason why the reason I the reason I added it, Stephanie, is Twitter. Twitter, you know, especially in the past, you know, ten days. You know, every time you think Twitter, oh, what? Um, I've got such mixed feelings about Twitter because it's got me into so much trouble, which I I have. Is that Twitter's fault, though? Uh, no, it's totally mine, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, but it still got me into so many arguments with the WordPress, certain people in the WordPress community. But there we go. Um, but you think, oh, but then, because what's happened in Ukraine, you know, Twitter, you know, Twitter's, it, it just shows how important Twitter is. So, it, you know, it's trying to promote podcasting, which I'm really committed to, is just a just great news but you know in general i you know twitter's i just want to put the panel um i've just got such mixed feelings about twitter you know um i don't know if they'd be able to because they seem to be trying different things and throwing things at at the wall don't they stephanie i'll jump in if if i'm allowed yeah john locke so twitter spaces um i saw some people commenting on this like not that long ago saying, oh, there should be a place for me to comment, you know, kind of like how you do in YouTube comments, like a live stream or Twitch. Um, but spaces um, I think are, are really actually very good. And, and I uh, have learned a lot of things like in recent months from spaces and just getting uh, a different perspective. So I, I think that um, I think it's actually one of the features. I was a little hesitant to, you know, embrace spaces, but uh, now that that I've started to listen to different ones that pop up in my feed, I'm like, this is awesome. Um, I'm not a big Twitter user. Could you explain for folks like me what spaces are? They're like Clubhouse, I think, right? mm -hmm. Um. I, I guess because I was never on Clubhouse, it, it kind of died before I could really check it out. But basically, it's like you have uh, a temporary, um, you know. Basically, it is it's it's like a, a thing that pops up on the side, well, at least on desktop where I usually listen. Um, but there's hosts uh, that that can uh, promote people to talk on the different thing, but generally they're having a discussion on a, a topic. Usually they run, they have an ample runtime. I mean, they're usually like an hour or two hours, at least the ones that I've seen. Um, but they can promote different people in uh, the uh, room to to speak. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a way it's audio, to... It's audio only. It's, yeah, audio, it's, an audio, yeah. it's an audio only chat. Uh, yeah. uh, although there are little like, you know, icon indicators of who's speaking. So it's a little bit different from just like a phone conference thing. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'll just jump into, um, I think what we're seeing with Twitter is it's similar to that story of line extension, but I think theirs is actually has more hope of survival. Uh, and if you put the creator at the center, like, I don't know, we could call this person a thought leader. Like the individual, whoever it is, the the perfect Twitter market. If you look, this podcasting thing's new, but what else is new? They've added payments to Twitter. They've added spaces. They have newsletter. Um, So essentially what they're doing is they're taking this person who has a lot to say 
and they're giving them surrounding them with various tools for this to be the the ephem- somewhat ephemeral like real time social platform for a thought leader. So it makes sense. It's a little weird to mix the short short form of a tweet with the long form of a podcast or spaces. But I think it kind of works for these thought leaders or influencers. Um, it's just and also a if question. It's real time. If it's real time, then the clubhouse style chat, like the spaces, makes sense. But podcasts don't really. That's completely different because that's you can listen anytime. That yeah. stays well, there the ability to record it, perhaps. Yeah. Like maybe it's a space. They are recorded. At least what they say in the article that they are recording it, but it's only available for 30 days. So mm. it, it's temporary. It goes away. Oh, well, I got the impression it was going to be on. That was the difference. It was going to be more than 30 days. I must admit. I would never misread anything, would I, Sharon? No. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I think that I think it shows clearly here that like if three or four of us have all gotten a different pres- impression of this, that it's not been very clearly marketed or explained. Well, it's, Twitter, yes, it it's Twitter, isn't it? It's Twitter. Yeah. Like, it's not a Twitter. Well, let us remember that you know, uh, 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 <clears throat> Twitter had only the most the the sort of vaguest of what you were supposed to do with this thing uh, when it came out, and people just decided what they were going to use it for. And I think that's kind mostly of mostly for fighting. Uh, uh, well, yeah, for uh, but is that me? You know what would make more what would make more sense is that it's about like you know what what have you had for breakfast and uh, so on. But here's the thing: is they've had some success with putting things out there and seeing what people choose to do with it. And it is true that you know your expectation of what users are going to do with your thing and what the users actually do with your thing are often quite different. I could, go, I could go some direction with that comment, we, but I'm not going to. Right, I mean, but they we're, could, we're, we're past like, the porn conversation, though, John. If they did it like YouTube uh, shorts or Facebook reels or whatever, like on YouTube, for example, I've noticed it's undeniable, like YouTube shorts has taken over YouTube, but there's still the full-form content on YouTube. So YouTube shorts satisfies that like sort of Instagram-y like, or TikTok-y kind of like got to have it now. If If the inverse was true about, Twitter, where it's 140 or 280 characters, but like you had a button that was like longer form text, then I can kind of see the relationship. But the audio is just an odd thing. Maybe Sally's right. Maybe people start using it. But like Clubhouse didn't do well because people aren't prepared to just randomly listen to long form audio unless they know what it's about first. That's a a real hard to consume thing. Is it me, but... I need some lessons from John about this. Uh, maybe John can help me, but because I get lost, I, I, I get I see two people in the WordPress community banning away at one another, and I can't even work out what what was the thing that got them going. I always get lost with it. Uh, uh, um, so that's the thing that puzzles me about Twitter. Half the time, I'm not even following what's getting them going. But it is WordPress community, so it doesn't take much to get them worked up, does it? So there we are. I think there's something interesting about this this concept here of like permanent and not permanent as well, right? Like we had this whole thing with Snapchat where that was the original like disappearing everything, right? And of course, every story always boils down to not safe for work content, right? Because that was like where Snapchat started with all of these things. But then we get into where you can now keep everything in Snapchat. We've got, uh, you know, Instagram started with the stories. Now everybody has to have stories, but guess what? We had to evolve beyond that because they didn't last. And so now we have reels and there. So it's like, there's this concept of things that are just um, here for the moment. And then it just, it seems like on each platform, whenever they try to do that, it evolves into something where it sticks around and people can listen on demand because we don't just watch television and we show up when the show is on anymore, right? Everything is on demand. We listen when we want. We don't listen when we're told we have to. So it does make sense from that perspective, from that big grand scheme content kind of thing, that if they're having some success with these these rooms, these spaces that are audio only, and people could show up and listen, but then it goes away, like, it seems like an easy jump into 
having a podcast platform, but are they going to be podcasts like where they're where creators make their podcasts or is this where it's just another platform that you can consume podcasts? What's the, I, I don't know the Well, I think it's a bit, bit linked to what John said about Tumblr. I think John was totally spot on. It's a kind of community. I, I, in some ways, I've, I kind of, even though it's successful, it's not been taken over by Yahoo or Sabbatic. Twitter's much more alive, you know, dynamic. But yeah, it's got some element of Tumblr to it. But I think John's spot on. It's a community, isn't it, John? If you're really into Twitter, you're really in, aren't you? You know, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I find Twitter very valuable. And, um, you know, it's how you use it. If you follow the same you know, echo chamber or the same bubble of the same people all the time, then you'll stay in the same place. But, you know, if how I use it basically is, is just um, expanding. I I think like the different voices that I'm listening to and getting a different perspective, but you know, how Twitter is used by different people. It's it's pretty flexible. So I mean, you can you can choose to use it however you want. Um, but I think that's why it's still around. Uh, it'll never be as big as Facebook, or it'll never be as big as uh, TikTok. But I, I think it offers a, a good um, best of both worlds. I mean, I see people sharing TikTok on there. So I, I I think Twitter for the short term, I I think it'll stick around, and I hope it does. As we have one more story, uh, this one is a little bit different. It's not exactly about tech, but it is about something that is weighing heavy on the hearts and minds of pretty much everybody in the world right now. This is an article on, in uh, Smashing Magazine, We Are All Ukraine. Uh, I was talking before the show a little bit saying I think that this is something that is this war that's going on without getting political about it or anything. Um, oh, it's something, do. I'll, I'll it's something that, it, well, listen, it's your show, but I'm not. This the, But it's just adding an extra like, weight onto the shoulders of everyone who is dealing with life in a pandemic and all the craziness that has been the past couple of years. And um, I don't know. To, like, I feel like that's happening, but I also think that one of the weirdly positive side effects of the pandemic has been an increase in empathy. Uh, You know, before it was like, if you would get sick and need to cancel things or other stuff, it would almost be an annoyance to people, at least in the the U.S. I feel like that's the way you're supposed to just push through it. Whereas now when I got COVID and I was out of commission for weeks, people were so gracious and understanding. And I think now because of this sort of increased level of empathy. Um, Again, in the United States, sometimes we can be a little bit blind to what's going on in other corners of the world. But now I see tons of Americans and other people everywhere really feeling the pain for for these folks. What are your guys' thoughts on this? (laughs) Or we can have a moment of silence for Ukraine. That's fine, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. Go ahead, Chris. Um, I, it is, I, I'm not an infectious disease scientist or a political science, global, uh, historian guy, but I do like to see how people are coming together just around the humanity of the situation. Um, I'm sure there's two sides to every story. Um, there are, uh, again, like more on the critical side, there are this, this, situation does bring to light especially in social media the narrative that is positioned in news and social media and what's true and what's not and fact checking this and that and when was this picture taken where when was this video taken where was it actually taken doesn't always match what's in the content so i find that interesting um i think deep down in the psyche of everybody in the world having conversations around nuclear weapons again is very unsettling and uh, so that's that's kind of alarming. Um, and also, even in the WordPress community, I, I saw an article somewhere. Well, first of all, I see people that I've known in WordPress who are 
on boots on the ground in Kiev and in the Ukraine. And especially with us who work online and have all these digital uh, relationships, you know, we're all connected to the situation. And we're, you know, I, it's nice to see like what's going on from these people. I'm also like concerned what's going on. I did see another great article about how much of the tech industry is actually has people working in the Ukraine. Like a lot of the apps you use every day and, um, you know, bigger than WordPress, just tech in general, Ukraine has a lot of talent, uh, tech talent. So we're all like connected to this situation and there's a, there's a deep history here. I think it's important to, you know, try to look at the other side of whatever side you're on of like, who's right, who's wrong. And this is just so, this is complex. There's a lot of history here. Um, and I just, my hope is that we can navigate through it um, without a lot of more pain, suffering, death, that kind of thing. So that's, that's my biggest hope, but we will see yeah. where, where we go here. Well, I think the two things that really, I agree with everything Chris has just said, but the two things that really interest me is what Spencer said last week, and it's panned out. No, you know, the, most of the Russian army, it's quite clear most of the Russian army don't want to be there. Nobody wants this, mostly. And certainly I've come to the conclusion that most of the Russian army that's been sent there, they don't even want to be there. Um, why should they want to risk their necks to do some crazy person's bidding? Um, so they're swanning around wondering how we, how we get out of this without getting shot at. Um, and then the other factor is um, something that John pointed out to me. It's been fascinating to watch people on the far right and on the far left, very similar to the 1930s when um, um, what happened when um, Stalin made a pact with Hitler people on the left suddenly switched. They were so anti-German, and then soon as they became pro-Nazi, pro-German. It's really fascinating to watch that on the far right in America and Britain and on the left, how they how they join and they got the same message of anti-democracy, pro-Putin, pro-support of the worst element in Russia. You know, it's just fascinating to watch these extremists on both sides support a maniac, basically. It's just really, it's just fascinating to watch, Phantom. John, what were your thoughts? I want to hear them. Oh, uh, I, was, I, was, I was cluing uh, Jonathan in on uh, horseshoe theory. Uh, you can Google that term and, and look it up. You might agree, you might not. But um, I, it is terrible what's happening in Ukraine. But I, I I think that it's it's kind of also terrible that we need to sell the fact that oh there's people that make all the technology that you use and they make all the apps that you use and it's people in the WordPress community that live there in order for people to care about it I think that we should you know hold that same energy for when this same thing happens in other places as well. I do think that, you know, this situation is, is dire. I do think that, you know, we need the Western countries need to do something to, you know, put a stop to it because history has shown us where this type of thing will go. Um, but yeah, everyone deserves to live their life in peace, no matter who they are, and no matter what their contribution is to, you know, uh, the world economy or, or whatever, we want to judge it by. Uh, and that's all I want to say on that. Yeah, I just want to finish off. My grandfather was fought in Spain. He was a member of the International Brigade. He fought with, um, um, I forgot his name, uh, George, um, the right of 1984. Um my grand, you know, we've been down this road. We saw, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it has clear paths. And we've been down this road before. 
And we really, really don't need to go down this path. We need to find some balls and confront this maniac and just show him that we mean business, you know, um, because he ain't going to stop. If he succeeds in Ukraine, I can guarantee he ain't going to stop there. He's just on to the next thing. So it's we need to confront him now. That's what I've got to say about it, Stephanie. Uh, would anybody else like to add their thoughts? Anybody I just want to throw one more prepared? thing out there just around the uh, the sanctions that are happening right now with the, with the Russian... Uh, the people there end up suffering a lot when the, the um, you know, the swift monetary uh, system is cut off to the Russian people. People start, uh, you know, not Russians no longer allowed to compete in this sport and all these like cut these non-military sanction kind of cutoff valves. It hurts the Russian government, but it also really hurts the Russian people. So it's, it's yeah, just, I mean, sanctions are only effective if you care what happens to your people. (coughs) And, um, you know, it it seems pretty clear that it is not the general population of, of Russia that, uh, you know, that is instituting this aggression. So, and at the same time, uh, a Russian businessman, uh, put a $1 million bounty, on Putin. So maybe that's partially something that was a calculated thing. Maybe it's a, a side effect of the sanctions, but yeah, I think that this is a situation that calls for extreme measures and we're not getting involved militarily. So this is what's at our disposable. Uh, if we don't want to escalate to a nuclear war, cause that's what the guy is implying. So we all have our political views. We all have our religious views. We all have all of these things that we hold personally. But I think one thing all of us on this panel and in the tribe can agree on is that we hate to see the suffering and killing of so many innocent lives. So that is one thing we can agree on and that our hearts go up. You know, you hate the thoughts and prayers kind of comment, but um, we do care. And we are we are thinking about the people that are suffering on both sides of this war because it you know, there are a lot of innocent people going to suffer in Russia as well. Um, and on that, uh, the link for that article, there are a, a list of resources if you are in a position to contribute financially uh, to several of the different causes there. So uh, thanks, everyone, for all of your insights on all of the stories for this week's uh, episode. Why don't we move into our panel recommendations? Anybody want to jump in first or shall I just eeny meeny it? I just want to recommend today is the, this is uh Friday, March 4th is the festival of WordPress. It's called WordFest. Word and there's like a 24 hour, uh, there's talks, there's people hanging out and uh, that's being put on by big orange heart. And that is at wordfest.com. Nice. Excellent recommendation. Sharon, did you have a recommendation for us this week? Oh yes. I am. Um, Sticking with my Elementor fans and uh, the announcement of the Elementor Cloud Cloud website has been launched. And so if you're interested. That's a big one. I'm sorry. What was that? That was a big one. Yes, that was a big one. Yes. So if you're interested in checking out their new uh, cloud hosting, is everything included? Your cloud website with your hosting built in. And And I just want to. Go ahead. <laughs> I just want to throw a correction. It's wordfest.live, not .com. Yeah, put, it, put the link into chat and Uncle Spencer will put it into Slack for you, Chris. Spencer. All right, John Locke, do you have a recommendation for the tribe today? Yeah, and uh, this is um, a recent uh, podcast that was launched on GoWP. This is the Digital Agency Owners Podcast. I would encourage you to go check it out. It is hosted by Joanne Torres and Moreo Orija. So go check that out. Oh, Sally. <clears throat> okay. Um, <clears throat> if you are a WordPress meetup organizer or uh, you know one to pass this on to, there's going to be a virtual happy hour for WordPress meetup organizers um, because uh, several of us have been pointing out uh, to the community team that there's 
like absolutely no established framework for meetup organizers to meet up uh, <laughs> and talk about, uh, 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 you know, exchange ideas and, and recommend uh, <clears throat> presentations and so on and so forth. Uh, so this is March 14th uh, on Zoom, uh, hosted by the WordPress NYC meetup group. And the link is in the chat here and in Slack. Excellent. Jonathan. Yeah, I've got, got? got a plug-in, Stephanie. I've got Ooh. a plug-in. I've got Smart Quiz Builder. You know, obviously, WP Tony are in the education and membership and uh, looking to add this to my stack. Um, it, it just puts your ability to build quizzes, and we all love quizzes, don't we, Stephanie? Who doesn't love a Who quiz? Who doesn't like a good quiz? Uh, um, and this puts it on steroids, Stephanie. Cool. To check it out, uh, Spencer. I have an unusual, I have an unusual non-plugin. I have a link to an article from the Hustle of how IKEA tricks you into buying more stuff, and it's not only entertaining for anybody who's been to IKEA who hasn't. But well, also- this is it, I didn't read I that not, article. This is the part about how they IKEA. make you through the entire store. <laughs> it, it, it talks about it, but it's also an outstanding tutorial, metaphor, whatever, for anybody who sells products and services online. Because Love it. I, I think you'll all read it and go, oh, I can completely see how I could apply this. Because even though it's a physical world type of a thing, it really, it, it's a one-to-one metaphor. So check it out. I love it. Um, my recommendation this week is a real simple one. It's called, sim- it's literally called Simple Gmail Notes. Um, we use... Uh, Google Workspace or whatever the heck we're calling it now at my agency. And um, it was getting a little cluttered and it was too complicated forwarding emails back and forth. This extension just fits. It's a Chrome extension and it just sits right inside your Gmail inbox and lets you leave notes for the team back and forth. And it's been like great for our productivity processing the main support inbox. So just a a nice little utility. Was that everybody? Did I get everybody's? I think that was. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much for showing up. Um, We look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Thanks to our panel. Thanks to those who showed up live. Don't forget to give us a little thumbs up while you're here. And uh, we will see you guys all next week. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind WordPress membership group on Facebook? And if you want to keep up with all the latest news on the podcast, visit wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.